Okay, cool. If you watch the podcast, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do. Sometimes. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Boys Gone Wild. This is a special episode indeed. Uh, it's the return of BB Cave uh, from the short-lived uh, spin-off series Girls Gone Wild. I thought that was actually quite a stupid idea in the end. And now I brought her into Boys Gone Wild. She'll be a regular guest. It's great to have her on. Um, it's When she came on, we got more than triple views of what I'd normally get. But that sort of does open up um, people who are not really my demographic. My demographic being incels uh, with learning difficulties. Um, but having uh, BB on the show meant that a lot of her fans uh, started coming in. And I, I think the most hate I've ever got was actually from being doing an episode with BB. Actually, I think I've got... It would be lying if I didn't get slightly turned on by hate comments. Um, and it's a real joy um, how clearly disappointing it is for a lot of BB's fans that of all the people she could have gone out with, it's me. And that's a real, fairly sadistic, but truly profound joy I get knowing that there's, you know, there's this quite romanticism about BB on Instagram and what, you know, she's got quite mysterious, or oh, what's her boyfriend like? And the idea that they can come to my page and see me talking directly out of my asshole um, and be incredibly disappointed is actually something that brings me a lot of joy. So on the last episode, um, Chris YTFC uh, tried some hate, uh, but it got taken down because I think he um, used a swear word. He said, uh, is this a, an attempt to create a new Nathan Barley Shoreditch wanker type character or is this massive douchebag who he is actually is? I think who he actually is. Surely BB can do better. She probably can. <laughs> um, and then he changed that to Horatio Gould. Everything about your look says I'm trying so hard to be quirky and interesting. Now, mm. those are all great points seeing as we did do a fashion podcast and i was dressed like um a, a cunt mm -hmm. um a turbo cunt a turbo cunt and um that's why it was really pleasurable knowing how upset it made certain people mm -hmm. but uh anyway when was the show bbk thank you very much that felt like a long minute yes um <clears throat> it's very nice to see the evolution of horatio's podcast i mm -hmm. think that it's um been transcendental it's been important it's been moving and i thank you for your service to the podcast world i think it's definitely been a, a key a key cultural cornerstone of mm -hmm. this year and it's yeah. have definitely helped a lot of people through who mm -hmm. the, the type of people i'm helping are people who you know would be at risks of starting school shooting so i think we, i really <laughs> the people i've saved arguably i'm your brother's an nhs doctor yes i'd say arguably i've saved more lives mm -hmm. uh, by you know talking people off the ledge mm -hmm. or making them put their guns down mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but and he's yeah. actually a very big fan of this podcast oh that's nice and my other brother isn't but he did put up this sign he for did you. your brother did put up this sign so. but um how do you feel about um people giving me hate for saying that you can do better than me how do you feel about that um well i mean i i'm not particularly uh familiar with people saying that apart from that one video and it was just a <laughs> i wish i wish that people told me that more the one other experience i have of that is when i did bring you 
to a Christmas party oh, yeah. last year, mm-hmm. um, and you were late, mm-hmm. and you turned up a little, uh, very, I was one of the drunkest little, I've been, a little drunk, incredibly um, drunk, which is fine, mm-hmm. you know, it was Christmas, mm-hmm. and you're a 22 year old man. Mm. And this actress at the party, um, when I sort of explained who you are and that my boyfriend was coming and then you turned up and, you know, you were a little, you know, rowdy. I was a lot. I was a lot that <laughs> evening, yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, it is always a lot going into a room full of actors uh, who are all doing a synchronised dance routine for no real reason. Yeah, because I mean, so um, we've been going out for a bit over a year now mm-hmm. and uh, it is very interesting when ever I meet your colleagues mm-hmm. and then when you meet my colleagues because your world is acting mm-hmm. which I think the best way to um, describe the difference is you know when you're buying fruit and there's like the fruit on the top level which is like that it all looks like a cartoon thing of like an apple and then you have that other box it's cheaper which says like which is like all the gnarled fruit and the boxes mm-hmm, of all the mm-hmm, ones which mm-hmm. are like don't look as good. They taste fine, mm-hmm. but they're cheaper because they're aesthetically yeah, 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 strange. Exactly, exactly. That's what comedians are. That's the box we are. Which they're are the odd the, box. The odd box. Mm-hmm. Which I um, think is actually a business. Yeah, it is. And yeah. that's the business I'm working in as well. <laughs> um, um, but anyway, this actress um, did, was not particularly impressed by mm-hmm. Horatio, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, despite the fact that she jumped in a photo booth with the two of us mm-hmm. and insisted on being on the, in the middle and trying to kiss us both. Yeah. Um, and then she texts me the next day saying how nice it was to see me, inviting me to a Christmas party that she was having and saying, um, but with regards to your boyfriend, the jury's out on that one uh, because, you know, you can do better, babe. And there are lots of fish in the sea. Oof. So judgmental. It, no, obviously that's an incredibly cunty thing She's to say. She's a crazy person though, so But uh, I really like that. That mm-hmm. is a big... And that's a, it is a big problem is that I would I'd be lying if I said that that wasn't something that was a big appeal for mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. And actually your goal, I think. Yeah. I think um, to make as many enemies as you can yeah. along the way, which is what I've always loved about. Yeah. I, yeah, but I, what do you think of the, the big differences between actors and comedians then? Well, I think that if you looked at the differences between me and you, yeah. I'm desperate to please everyone, yeah. right? And you don't really mind who you upset as long as the people that really connect with you and like you have a very strong connection there. Mm-hmm. Whereas seemingly my connections with people that I work with and friends in general tend to be a little bit more shallow, yeah. but more generally positive. So I think that it's like, you could then extend that to actors and comedians as well. Actors are trying to sort of be a surface level niceness, yeah. whereas comedians are definitely, you know, making it more difficult yeah, for them yeah. to be likable. But when they say something that you click with, you're going to like go wild. It's... um. I don't know, is it, you're somebody that deals in extremes and I deal in more kind of uh, platitudes. It's true, yeah. I think it's definitely, it's weird. And I think the, hanging out with comedians where it's like this weird game of like authenticity of like, you're, it's like an authenticity dick measuring contest where mm-hmm. it's like, I'm fucking so authentic, you know, I'm fucking more authentic. And like having that sort of going around where you're all just trying to be, who you truly are as Mm -hmm. much as you possibly can be. Mm -hmm. It means when you go into any other world where being authentic is actually incredibly abrasive, um, it can really stand out, especially when you meet actors. Who are basically the opposite, but completely fake. Layers and layers and layers and layers of fakeness and fake friends and fake coffee dates and, you know, whatever. So it is a really interesting contrast, but given that I've always jarred with that side of acting, I always love the actual performance yeah, part you don't, of it. Yeah, you're not very accurate. But I hate the kind of, the networking and mm. the glossiness of it and the fakeness. I think 
part of the reason why you were so appealing to me was because you just was you represented a complete opposite to that so mm -hmm. um and i think i'll remind you of your dad exactly yes. yeah that's what it's all about <laughs> um no um but this the reason why i've got beeves here today uh i'd love to say um it was planned, but it was because Andrew couldn't make it. Yeah. So um, was, she was filling in. Yeah, and I was uh, just hanging around the you area. You were hanging around the area anyway. I was knocking on the door for a while, seeing um, if he was in. He eventually I, opened up. I genuinely had another guest booked mm -hmm. in who for when Andrew, but he couldn't He come also cancelled, so I am third so you, option. No, you are, you are. And that's like, that. it does sound like I'm doing like a, a teasing, sort of like cute, sort of, um, you know, joking, not joking, but you genuinely are. Um, the third choice for being here yeah. but um, yeah. thank you very much for coming it's okay um, I thought we'd use this time to uh, do a sort of 2020 in review because we've you know we in general I've been gigging a fair bit so I kind of see people in general you're one of the only people I've seen all year sure, and sure. most of it has been spent in this room here exactly um, and I think we've dealt with 2020 pretty well mm -hmm. um considering and i think we'll use this episode for anyone out there who's trying to work out how do you survive 2020 and what has you know just do the year in review review in general mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so how have you felt about 2020 well off the bat um pretty shit sure but i guess when you kind of um extrapolate certain elements of it yeah there are real kind of you know, hidden gems, I guess. And also I think in the context of our relationship, most of it has been during the pandemic. Yes. So if I were to write off the pandemic and say it was just awful from start to finish, that would also be saying that our relationship has been um, rubbish, mm. which, you know, arguably it hasn't, I arguably, guess. Arguably, there's a, definitely an argument to be made. So... I mean, wait, what's, how, what percentage of our relationship has been during lockdown? Um, well, if you think about it's probably we... It's probably been about eight, nine, eight, nine months. Yeah, of, yeah. So like... Probably about 70% of our relationship has been through lockdown. So yeah. to be honest, in the way that people talk about relationships being um, tough over lockdown, I think when we come out of lockdown is when we're really put under pressure. Exactly, because we're going to have all of these weird distractions and noises and mm -hmm. lights and sounds and other people. Yeah. Whereas we, up mm. until this point, we basically have just been... Um, just chatting shit to each other. I mean, yeah. I mean, the whole year, but our relationship has been, war we've got on worryingly well. Yes. Uh, it's almost a turn off um, how easily yeah. we slipped into a sort of, it was like we're, it felt like we were like, not just a married couple, like, um, we're, we're like an old married couple. Yeah, yeah. Um, Basically with, the same with person. With like disabilities, <laughs> bed yeah, bound. Yeah, yeah. We're the grandparents in um, Charlie and the Chocolate we were Factory. Literally like, but we're both sets of grandparents. Yeah. We're the ones at the end and also the ones at the other end. Yeah, so like, um, because uh, obviously our, our world is this room pretty much. <laughs> yeah. We've we've lain at every angle in that bed and, you know, used... We've been all the grandparents because we've been spread all across the room. Exactly. We even have the same um, gestures now and, and ways of... I mean, it's like you... Uh, one of the wonderful things about this year is that Horatia has taught me a lot about... Um, <laughs> he's taught me a lot about, like, philosophical terms and books about postmodernism and why capitalism is bad and all this stuff. Mainly that. That's yeah, mainly that. Because <laughs> um, I know a lot of guys, sorry, I, just, I know a lot of guys will be watching this waiting to make sure that I haven't let her run astray. Don't worry, 
She's a Marxist. It's happened. <laughs> She's joined the revolution. Yes. Um, we're going to bathe in the blood of the bourgeoisie. Sorry, as, we, <laughs> as you were saying. But one of the interesting things that, um, you know, one of the interesting things I've learned about, like, say, postmodernism, the layers of sort of fakeness and irony that we pile on top of each other, nothing is new anymore. Mm. Um, we now have sort of code code words for things, uh, sentences that we would have previously said. Yeah. We now have like a word or a phrase. In fact, sometimes we borrow stuff from vines that we've enjoyed or TikToks. And we think that it's so individual. Like I say something and I think that I'm going to be expressing something to you. But actually, I just have to say one word or one like perfect. And <laughs> you know exactly what I mean. Yeah. And it's kind of worrying that we have sh like we have we're sharing the same brain at this point yeah so we've spent so much time together we've uh almost uh collapsed into like being at one point uh an eight-year-old married couple and then also sort of the primary stage of being like a toddler mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. we're communicating with sort of now it's just been reduced to merely noises and symbols exactly. in the way that an old person on the deathbed can only make certain noises to talk about certain things exactly. and someone learning language for the first time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. does as well mm -hmm. so that's sort of we're, we're kind of babies and old people simultaneously. <laughs> no, the fun. only thing we are not is our actual age yes young healthy people in the prime of their life yeah um so yeah i think it's going to be strange yeah it's going to be really strange when things are normal um, if things will ever get back to normal, mm. but you know, we can uh, we can deal with that when it comes to it. Yeah, because well, we neither of us have real jobs. Mm. Like we've kind of mm. been um, sniffing around finding money where we can. I do like podcasts here and there. You uh, get some acting work. Yeah, uh, here and but there. But mostly, it's just Harish helping me um, do self tapes in this room, and. Uh, him making the same joke every time that uh, we'll send it in and the casting director will say no, but they'll be like, who is that handsome voice behind the camera? Yeah, I'm hoping. <laughs> Bring him in. Because <laughs> it's like when um, BB does self-tapes, normally it's her mum on a phone with like a shaky thing and then I treat that as like an opportunity to show off just how good I can make them. So I use this camera, I use these lights, I make them incredible. Mm -hmm. You look amazing mm -hmm. and then don't get the role, which is the real Exactly, because it shows that I'm... I'm the problem. Yeah, I think it's... Because it, it's definitely not a problem with my technique because it is fantastic. <laughs> um, but we've kind of fallen into the routine over lockdown with the kind of uh, lack of jobs mm -hmm. uh, that the things that kind of kept us going and the reason why we've kind of gone on well is because of uh, a similar shared taste. And, you know, this is sort of a shout-out episode, I feel, to all of the shows that have kept us from breaking kept up. Kept us from breaking up. Um, surprising shows, because I guess what I found, I used to watch TV like heavy dramas, epics. Uh, I used to watch. Uh, I used to watch things that caused a lot of pain, and I didn't ever even see uh, TV and film as a sort of type of enjoyment. No. I saw it as more of like I'm going to sit here and reflect on my own insignificance and mm -hmm. then I'm going to talk to people about it um, at TV. Very earnestly, yeah. Very earnestly. Uh, but kind of like self-punishment in self a way. Self-punishment. It's like, a, it's like um, wearing a hair shirt as a monk. Um, but uh, this year, I, I don't think I'll be able to deal with conflict. No, no. Succession is like the most dramatic thing. That's that the most, watched. and I struggle. I, I've had to take so many breaks. And I don't know if you guys have found this, but watching... You guys. Because... Um, there's so much shit in the world. There's so much conflict in reality in the news. I just have been re I've been really struggling to watch any shows where 
I form a bond with a character and then they go through issues, which mm. is probably, the annoying thing is that's literally the foundation of uh, narrative mm. is characters issues. going through conflict. Issues, that's literally yeah. what makes something a story is conflict. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I've been desperately trying to find things without any conflict. Yeah, but what's interesting about that is maybe if you wanted to be really over-reflective, this year, apart from the fact that the pandemic in and of itself and people dying from the virus is a conflict, you know, and it's emotional. Mm. But in terms of the normal things that we would be doing in our life and going out and seeing things and experiencing stuff, yeah. we're not having the same sort of conflicts and dramas and yeah. interesting things going on in the world yeah. so maybe it makes sense that um on the smaller scale of what you actually kind of digest and consume like in terms of media maybe the reason why we don't want to watch loads of really big crazy dramatic conflict is because it's going to remind us how little of that is actually going on in the world right now instead we're kind of confining ourselves to smaller safer colorful yeah. places typically animated set in a different world because the only thing that we can do is escape yeah so yeah it's weird because it's like we've become infantilized where i felt like i was like fairly was maturing out of childhood but this has sent me um sent me back right back to um places i thought i'd gone out of where i now just sort of like i'm going like putting myself up to like a dialysis machine and just sort of pumping in cut bright colorful images into my head mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but the, the things we've been watching because we, we wake up in the morning we watch shows in the morning um, normally uh, sitcoms with real people mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. then so like we were watching sort of Seinfeld, mm -hmm. Friends, Curb Your Enthusiasm because mm -hmm. it was just familiar mm -hmm. but then it, it, the people were just too real in it mm -hmm. and there was already too much conflict in those very sugary shows mm -hmm, mm -hmm. especially Curb Your Enthusiasm the cringeness of it which obviously is like the whole premise um, kind of just also they just go to places don't they they just go to places. It mm. makes me sad that we can't go to places. Mm -hmm. But the show that we're watching now, mm -hmm. 30 Rock, they stay in one building. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, maybe a, that's why, it's a reflection maybe of Maybe that's what's why we like show. it, because they're isolated. Do you mm -hmm. want to talk a bit about 30 Rock and how much we love that? Okay. Um, <laughs> you start. <laughs> also, I was just thinking that um, uh, one of the, the only sort of conflicts of this year is when we had the <laughs> the couple here having sex oh, <laughs> we've yeah. both got a glass and listened at the wall yeah that was a bit of fun that, that was of, creepy uh, broke up the monotony of mm -hmm, our um mm -hmm. nice to hear other people living yeah yeah uh increasingly isolated lives together uh, <laughs> right through this wall uh we heard uh our neighbors smashing mm -hmm. um and it was it's a real thrill hearing other people have sex is truly it's better than having sex. Totally. No, it genuinely is. It's, it genuinely, it's a more exciting. It's you know, so naughty. You don't make a mess. Yeah. Is it perverted that we got a glass and put our... Put our well, the thing is, like, they were inviting listeners. They mm. were making a lot of noise. But we haven't heard it since. So maybe that was just, you know, one very one special treat. day. And we didn't the, hear it before. Exactly. And they've been there the whole time. Exactly. So it was clearly... It, it sounded like it was Somebody's an explosion birthday. of passion. <laughs> yeah, it really it felt feels like that. And... Um, that's that you know things you get to a point in a relationship where you're not going to be able to ignite that kind of a passion anymore <laughs> but other people can and that's really exciting but yeah so what shows have you liked this year um okay so uh 30 rock is obviously great and tina fey we think is amazing and wonderful in every way and alec baldwin runaway star from that Incredible. show so really so if you've not watched it rock. because i think it's a bit old you know it's kind of naughty mm. you think that it's going to be one thing but actually very show, very cleverly written Huge recommendation. Because it's like an American-style show, and uh, but it's so um, 
kind of authentically what it is, where it's just trying to do as many jokes as they can squeeze in as possible mm-hmm. in as many jokes per minute as possible. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what America's doing. Also, really I think given that we both work in comedy and write for ourselves, um, and we're very influenced by British humour yeah. on the whole, it's really nice and uh, important to watch something that's American and so tightly written and so lacking in self pitying and stuff that British mm. comedy kind of can be sometimes I think it's been like I don't know educational for both of us yeah. to see how jokes can actually be written so yeah yeah cool. it's funny because it's like I, I find a lot of my favorite moments in TV comedy are British shows because mm-hmm. they're like um, I just find those scenarios really funny but they're so painful to watch because nearly all British TV comedy is about how do we make this person as pathetic as possible exactly. or embarrassed as possible. Exactly. And that's what Americans do so much better is that they make things that are funny and uplifting, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which is why I think we've, we've moved much more towards that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. But it's not wholesome because I think we both have an issue with like wholesome stuff, yeah. right? Um, 30 Rock is still kind of cutting enough yeah. that it doesn't like tip over the edge into being something that's like you know, uplifting and it's going to move you. Instead, it's just very, very funny and also positive. Yeah, that's why um, I kind of get on board with things like Parks and Rec. Yeah, it's just, that's just too wholesome. It's just too much. Like, I don't want like um, a YouTube compilation of like 20 zany moments from this character, like 20 times, you know, Ron, you know, exactly. said how it is mm-hmm, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And how it's just like, we have a bit of fun, but at the end of the day, we're all friends. It's mm-hmm. like, that's not, mm-hmm. that doesn't do it for me. So also, it's because that's not, it's not, that's not real life. Mm. Like real life isn't wholesome at all. And escaping into something that is sort of incredibly cutesy and wholesome and makes you want to go and live in, you know, the town that Parks and Rec is set or something like that. I don't think it's particularly healthy because you're going to get such a huge contrast between that sort of imagined world of yours and the world that we actually live in. And I don't know, I just prefer stuff that feels a bit more kind of close to actual reality. Well, you say that, but we instead have, I agree with that, but we also like things that are so removed from reality that they're not even in this world. Okay, you mean like like anime, so that's a completely different conversation. Anime is like a different thing. It's like, we can sort of deal with conflict if we're watching animated Japanese people. As long as the conflict is taking place in giant metal robots that children have to fight in in order to save the world. That's the only way that I can digest my conflict. Yeah, because it's funny how like anime has become like a trendy thing for like young adults, Mm. but it's just glorified cartoons, basically. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, big anime titties. Yeah, just, just it's like the, just just, just the because n- <laughs> there's massive robots and like blood and like gore and the most absurd cleavages you've ever seen doesn't mean that you're not actually just fulfilling the same urge as watching cartoons on a Sunday morning when exactly, you're eight years old. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess you know maybe that sort of undermines the point that I was making, yeah. but I don't necessarily think it does because I think that like live action comedy, you're always going to associate as more kind of closely resembling your own life Mm. and your own views anime it's like it's so hyperbolic Mm. it's so unreal that i think that you have to look at it in the way that you sort of look at poetry or paintings something like that it's um it's expression that you can then take what you want out of it and relate it to your own life Yeah, yeah yeah so um what i take out of it is that uh i really like the way that anime girls look i've started dressing like one yeah it's it, that's what I found. I really enjoy it. I like the fact that all of the lead male characters um all seemingly are voiced by 
uh, women. Yeah, they, they, they seem to be voiced. Yeah, they seem to be voiced by like, nervous women. And because I feel like that represents male adolescence so yeah. perfectly, yeah. like having the trembling voice of a fully adult woman. I think that's quite fun. It seems like the, the a visual motif that appears throughout the animes we've watched is a nervous male protagonist um, framed underneath giant tits. Mm -hmm. as it's like. <laughs> These impose as if it's an avalanche about to crush him. Exactly, like, like his burgeoning sexuality and his fear about having to become who he has to become, seemingly is encapsulated perfectly by being voiced by, by an adult woman. <laughs> yeah, and it's encapsulated by the visual image of terrifyingly giant, huge giant naked women, giant tits. About to, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's these weird like Freudian nightmares yeah. of being crushed by mm. ginormous breasts. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, Neon I, Genesis Evangelion, that is just... That's I some mean, wild shit. I mean, I, 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 re I recommend Neon Genesis Evangelion as the definitive anime, but um, you, you, uh, approach with care because it is fucking nonsense. Mm -hmm. It's mental. I don't really know what happened during it. I know that it's shot in amazing ways. It's incredible visual stimuli. It's got some really deep uh, meanings there's incredible amounts of tits but with all japanese anime why it's fascinating is it because japan is like um so, sort of similar to the west because it's been so westernized but so different because it's been isolated for the last like five thousand years mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um it's it, unapologetic it's sorry it's unapologetically kind of mind-bending you know yeah, it, but it's, it, also, it, it's yeah. not sort of saying, "Oh wow, look at look at look at how crazy this is." It just is. It's just showing you like these extraordinary scenarios and like creating this completely bonkers world. And you know, it's not asking any questions of anyone. You just have to sort of get on board. And I really enjoy the fact that I don't understand a lot of what's going on because you just have to pick up so much information so quickly. And it's really great. Like that's pure escapism. You're not like thinking about you know how shit your hair looks or like what you have to do tomorrow. You're completely engrossed in trying to understand this world that's still so mysterious yeah. to me you know and I think that that's just but awesome. what in in general it seems like there's the reoccurring kind of weird culture clashes of like it's weird how it will go from like really intense emotional scenes um of these like montages of someone's complete sense of self collapsing and then switch to like pantomime slapstick you know and the way they just communicate with each other and like the Japanese view of sex is so weird because they're really sexually conservative, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but then they kind of get it out in drawings and stuff like that, which is like, I don't know, it seems, it's a big culture shock for sure. It's definitely not uh, minimizing uh, femininity at all. Some of it's, them are. Yeah, like but I think they're really interesting characters. Yeah, they are in that one show. That's why it's good. Mm -hmm. But in general, the Japanese view of women as presented in animes like Death Note, which is another good one. Um, as being real dumb bints. Being dumb bints for sure. But can you really argue that uh, in Western sort of cartoons or even just Western television that they don't do that same thing? They don't portray females as, you know, certain tropes? Yeah, they do. But it's like there's a weird... Uh, there seems to be like a the way of sexualizing women in Japan is making them these sort of like dumb schoolgirls. Mm -hmm. That is like what's really hot, it seems, for a Japanese audience are these sort of giggling <laughs> oh! Like um, And occasionally they have looking. like a knife, you know, because they're like yeah. also an assassin but they're still very, very young and vulnerable. Yeah, no, I can see that. Um, obviously it's all about like playing down the age, the age, making them as youthful mm. as, pos as possible. So um, obviously that is kind of slightly strange and problematic but at the same time 
And I think this is something that we've both sort of uh, discovered as well during lockdown. Um, like so much of the discourse about there being an issue between like the sort of attraction to younger women mm. and older men liking younger women or grooming or everything like that. It's obviously such a sort of interesting gray area, but at the same time, it is also stupid to try and pretend that we don't live in a world or like engage willingly in a culture that does promote youthfulness uh, as being kind of attractive and sexual. Like it's not crazy to stretch your mind to think that men would be sort of interested in younger women. It's like, that's not, that's not wrong. That's not literally against your sort of like animal nature. That yeah. is just the way it is. It's about how, what you do with that and what the responsibility, where the responsibility lies in say TV shows, making those younger characters and, um, you know, men obviously not acting on urges like to go and date like a 15 year old. Like that's obviously really fucking creepy. But to try and argue that like you wouldn't be attracted to younger women yeah. in general is is stupid. And I think that like, I don't know, the, the discourse around it can be really annoying sometimes. I think we're both pretty like anti-woke when it comes to that sort of thing. Yeah, well, to a certain extent. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think a, a big, um, I, I think I'll put you up quickly on what you just said, but like, um, do you think because I th I think in feminism there seems to be now a more a healthy it seems to be heading to a bit more of a healthy discourse where it's like women are now starting to realise that they can be hot they can be f feel validated by people finding them attractive mm -hmm. and that not be degrading or objectifying and yeah. like it seems like we're coming to a point now where it's like we're starting to work it out a bit more, where it's not all exploitation, you know. Absolutely, I think that's really important. But at the same time, it's still so confusing because yeah. the same people that will be saying, isn't it so great and empowering that we, you know, can like admit that it's validating people finding us attractive. But at the same time, we'll be saying, you know, 35-year-old men that go out with 19, 20-year-old girls yeah. are disgusting, like paedophiles, when like that just takes away all agency from women you know like if the 19 or 20 year old woman is like actively posing in like a really sexual way and wearing stuff like in order to get that same validation that before she was saying it was so great that she can get to validate herself yeah. with i don't understand why we think that we can like have our cake and eat it too like every person should have agency when they're an adult and be able to use that to their own benefit and also take the responsibility for that you mm. know i just think that I think that uh, feminism is something that I so strongly associated with before, before this year, before this pandemic. Yeah. It was like unequivocal, you know, men are fucking assholes. Sure. And like women, God, you know, we were the underdogs for such a long time. We're taking back our ground yeah. now. And this pandemic, given how, um, I don't know, strange and different it's been, I think it's allowed for so much more kind of internal investigation. And because I've obviously been listening to more podcasts and reading more about it, realizing that like even feminism this thing that i held with such high esteem before yeah. and put on such a pedestal and it was just so obvious to me like oh there's nothing like of course like feminism is is perfect women are badly treated compared to men and have always yeah. been to realize that there are holes in that system too and that maybe um it's still something that needs to be worked on and thought about you can't just like accept everything that a supposed feminist says like you have to actually do critical thinking for yourself and not just 
buy into these like pastel Instagram infographics about, you know, why this term is wrong and why everything, you know, you have yeah, to yeah, yeah. think about things so much more for yourself. Like that's something I'm grateful that the pandemic has taught me and having someone like you to be able to talk about that stuff. Tell you that women are trash. Exactly. Because, yeah. you know, you really need to be put down a peg or two sometimes. Yeah, like when, look at how long I just spoke for. That was outrageous and you should have told me to stop. Um, yeah, I'm going to start having a beeper if you go for a minute. <laughs> um because i do want to keep my listeners um <laughs> no um it, it it has been a relief uh of both of us finding out that we both kind of uh, accept that we don't know the truth about what's happening mm-hmm. and also find a lot of um social politics in our circles um for one of a better term repulsive yes um because it's we're we're sort of in we're in the sort of a group of in London being in any sort of creative industry being near the heart of it in some ways um you do see the people uh who are framing the conversations Mm -hmm. you know when we have all these debates about wokeness and uh identity politics it's like a lot of the time, the disconnect between what actual people think and what's being presented in films, TV, news. It's like, why is such a minority view being presented as mainstream truth? And mm-hmm. it's because the people who are pulling the levers of cultural power exist in a very small area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In literally in a small bubble, mostly in North London. Yeah, in, 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 a, in a NW3 to NW6, exactly. uh, literally a small postcode. Um, and it's been like really good. I think we've both over the last kind of couple of years I certainly was go when I was first went to uni I was sort of agreed with a lot of these ideas as being that's truth you know we uh people believe this because they're stupid and wrong but luckily because we're so great and we've read so many books and mm-hmm. we're so good we know what the truth is and it's about educating it's weirdly it's a similar the, the kind of the way it's drummed into you is similar to the way that like you know colonialists uh going to africa would thought we're on this sort of civilizing mission you know that sort of racism it's sort of the same with how uh metropolitan liberals treat you know most working class people Mm -hmm. as having like they're sadly they have not had the right lessons Mm -hmm. they're idiots and they don't know what they're talking about but it's our job to show them what the truth is Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when in fact like they've lived a very privileged life, most yeah. of them, and they probably, when it came, when it comes down to it, would mm. not sacrifice a single element of their mm-hmm. lifestyle and their wealth and their general comfort to actually benefit people, which is where the real divide is. It's not about education or kind of identity politics at all. It's about literally the way people live. Mm. It's about the wealth of some and the poverty of others and... I don't know. I think that's just been like a big realization yeah, for that's me. Been, definitely. Just kind of feeling such a huge disconnect yeah. with the kind of uh, the politics of, of of our generation. I wouldn't say that it maybe extends to everybody in our generation. We're kind of between generations anyway, millennials and uh, Zoomers. Zoomers yeah. um, but it is so interesting to really have had like this kind of this moment of thinking, wow, mm. where where do I lie? It's it's easier to think that you belong to a certain kind of like way of thinking that has like pretty sort of pictures online, you know, telling you all of the things mm-hmm. that are bad that yeah. you have to do. It's much scarier to be like, okay, no, I'm going to try and think for myself and work out what I actually believe in. Mm. But to take it back to <laughs> our relationship, yeah. um, 
that has been one of the really great things is having somebody that you can uh, kind of just test these ideas out to. Yeah. Because I think... Uh, it's like, like, sorry, it was like that yeah. one time when you were like, um, on the next episode of uh, We Can't Talk About This Right Now, do you think it'd be cool if I wore blackface? And I was like... <laughs> And I was like, I I see where you're going with that, um, but I think it's not the right time now. Exactly. But it's like if you didn't have that, if you if you didn't have that space to like try out ideas that you think might work, and like that one wasn't your best idea for sure. But it's fine because we have a we, we create a safe space for ideas where some things might not work. Exactly. You know, I think yeah, it's dangerous exactly because we're both yeah, incredibly yeah, right, no, that's, Aryan. That's so um, <laughs> we I agree. have to be very careful. I completely agree. Great. What so what things um, annoy you about me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Um, well, straight off the bat, um, you're a terrible texter. Mm-hmm. Really, really terrible. Sure. Um, not just in the normal boy sense, but Mm-mm. just actually in terms of like, it almost like it confounds me sometimes. I'm like, how? Uh, how? You also have your fucking red receipts on, which I find incredibly Won't aggressive. Take them off. Incredibly move. aggressive. If I Power send move. him, a, you know, a nice text about something, why do you seen... think you need my validation so much? Because <laughs> I regularly read what you send me. And then don't respond. He I mean, chooses not to respond. Is chooses. that not the biggest power play you've ever seen? Like leaving those red receipts on is what gives me the upper hand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like you're constantly trying to like regain territory that you feel you lost at the beginning of the relationship when you pursued me. Mm-hmm. So now, <laughs> now that you got me, you think that the only way that you can come across is kind of like you know, the masculine manly man that you yeah. are is by just actively uh, refusing also, yeah. to respond to me. I, also so think I find that really fucking annoying. No, I don't, no I'm bad with texting because it's like we see each other 50% of the week, mm-hmm. three to four days of the week. Mm-hmm. And we intensely, we spend all our time together. We see, whenever I see my friends, I see it with BB. It works fine, perfectly. Uh, we spend all the time sharing, talking about things, uh, just being in a relationship when she leaves i guess this is quite a masculine thing mm-hmm. is it's like for you you see it as surely a deficiency in like my affections for you mm-hmm. that when uh that i'm not thinking about you all the time or that i i can bear to be without you whereas for me i'm like i've just poured my whole heart and soul into you for four days mm-hmm. um and when you're gone it's like me just trying to um i just have I, I'm, my head goes blank and that's something that i think i think that's the thing that's what it seems like um think about men and women <laughs> see, it, does, it sounds like a def jam bit like man see the th- i'm gonna try and sell it as like a death bit. <laughs> see the thing about women is they just don't understand about men because this is the thing women you're not listening okay we think about nothing okay you know, you girls, you're always thinking about things. It's always, oh, when are you coming back? You know, and you're like, you always think we're thinking about something. Huh? We're thinking about nothing, okay? I get it. I get yeah. it. You know, and I think about you all the time and not always in like flattering ways. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Well, normally if I don't respond to you, you build up this whole narrative and you're ready to I'm come like, back with know, this kind of like is... anger and fury about how like, well, if he doesn't love me, well, if he doesn't think that's cool, well, you know, I've got looking news for him. And then you come back and you're like, you have like one moment of rage. I'll be nice to you and it'll go within like a second. Exactly, because it's very easy when I'm actually there in person with you to realise that you literally have been thinking about nothing. I've been thinking about nothing <laughs> and it's like, what were you doing instead of texting me? I'll stay at my ceiling yeah, exactly. 
basically. So, I was staring yeah. at my ceiling. I was half naked in a towel, still drying off, and I was on TikTok for like 45 minutes. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, that's something that... Uh, and I just the, don't like texting as well. Yeah, that's true. And I don't particularly like texting mm. either. Um, and I'm not a great texter myself. Mm. I guess I No, because I don't like texting you as well, because I see you... I feel like... I, 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 I do... I am pretty responsible with texts for people who I basically never see and mm -hmm. also can never find the time to call. Mm -hmm. Where it's mm -hmm. like, if someone sends me something specific and we have a conversation, that's great. But when it's like, you're, I know I'm going to see you in like a day or two days, um, it, seems, it just seems mental me trying to explain how my day is. I'll yeah. tell you when I see you. <laughs> I don't ask how your fucking day is. Okay, what do I do that annoys you then? You steal. You steal. But it, BB has this weird thing where it's odd that... Because now you've uh, hit puberty and you're an attractive woman. Um, it's weird that you have some personality traits of the sort of chubby, weird looking kid you used to be, which mm. is still inside you. So mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it weirdly doesn't click with the fact that you're like a, an attractive woman now, uh, intelligent, funny, all of that. But it's weird that you are, you're, you know, you're, a, you, you're an attractive woman. You're an ugly girl inside of an attractive woman's body is what you are. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. My soul is um, Ugly Betty. Yeah, sure. that's that's what it is. She's and it's in like, there. I heard a story that uh, they want, you once went missing mm -hmm. uh, and they found you when you were three years old. If you've seen a picture of B when she's three years old, she had like a bob cut and you were just spooning directly out of a tub of butter. Mm -hmm. And that's what I realized is actually what your true essence is. Mm -hmm. You can do all, you know, you know, you can all look confident and do all that, but deep down, that's what you are. That's so, my soul. That and like how you used to steal things mm -hmm. from friends' houses just for the thrill of stealing. Mm -hmm. So you have this weird thing. Food, food. Let's food. just get that clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Food, food, food. But that's because I wasn't allowed sugar and stuff as a child because yeah. they were just worried about my um, my weight issue. Yeah. Uh, but that was just because I used to force feed myself so much uh, mm. sugary stuff because I wasn't allowed the sugar. It was very much a catch twenty two cycle. So then she, um, but she loves the thrill of stealing that she'll like. Take I now things. can't quite she get out of my system. She takes things that she could easily ask for and I'd easily give, but yeah. she likes taking them and then telling me she's taking about them afterwards. Yeah, like literally As, last night. You just take things, last, but it's like they're night. not things that are like I need or are stealing, <laughs> but she acts like. I'm like, can I have a biscuit? Yeah, she asked me for things that obviously, which makes you feel like I'm the one who's choosing whether she yeah, can have them. Yeah, but the thing is, it reminds me of those fucking dads at your friends' houses that when you used to go over, when you used to say, "Can I go to the bathroom, please?" and they used to go, "No, I don't think that you can actually." Yeah. Like dad joke 101. I yeah. fucking hate those yeah, dads. But that's a dad. Of course, I'm gonna ask. I'm yeah, not just gonna walk into your bathroom. A dad, that's a dad at a friend's house who you've just met so yes they're being a prick because why it'd be weird if you just fucking went and super weird if pissed I just all over it. his toilet and didn't <laughs> ask that's why I like to frame those questions with like can I pee out of my dick into your toilet bowl please like aggressively reframe it and then it'll like throw them off balance on, on the but you can't treat me because we spend all our time together so why are you asking me questions as if I'm your friend's dad? <laughs> because otherwise I'm just going to steal it, okay? Yeah. I have to ask, otherwise I'm just going to steal it. Last night, for example, we were playing board game and I got kicked out relatively early on. And whilst you and the others were in the room and I went to the kitchen, I saw that there was a jar of unopened Nutella. And I didn't know it was yours for sure. I assumed it might be, but I also knew there was a 30% chance that it was one of Horatio's housemates too. Yeah. And, and that's of, what get, turned you on a bit. Instead of thinking, no, it might be one of the others, so I probably can't open this Nutella. I just felt my body 
like just like urging me to fucking open it, rip it open, look around, see who was there, get get a speculose biscuit, mm. dip it in, eat it as quickly as I can. Quickly, I heard somebody walking and I had to run mm. away. It was yeah. so thrilling, and it's I was so like, so bizarre. I could have just done that and not worried about it. Why did I have to make that like a Mission Impossible movie? Mm. But that's me. That's where I get my kicks. That's where I get that my is, Yeah, that's why. That's what is one of the funniest things about you is that you try and... I you, just never you, feel like you, I deserve anything. You, yeah, yeah. So you create these scenarios where you're being naughty and you're not being naughty at all. I felt all. so guilty about it for but like you two love hours that, You love that guilt. And I was thinking, I was be... like, oh my God, Adam or Taha are going to come in and yeah. be like, who opened my Nutella? Yeah. Um, but speaking of Mission Impossible, actually. Yes. Um, recently, it's just broke that... Tom Cruise has had a freak out on set of Mission Impossible mm -hmm. about um, uh, COVID-19. We'll play a little bit for you now. We are the gold standard. You're back here in Hollywood making movies right now because of us. Because they believe in us and what we're doing. I'm on the phone with every studio at night. Insurance companies. Producers. And they're looking at us and using us to make their movies. We are creating thousands of jobs, you I don't ever want to see it again. Um, and so he's properly gone. I don't know what they've done. So he's, he's they're shooting Mission Impossible, which is one of the only films shooting in this very up and down period. And clearly someone's broken social distancing protocol and he's gone off the boil in a very ego Scientology way. Um, how do you feel about what Tom Cruise is saying? I think it's absolutely absurd. Mm -hmm. It's just so, like it perfectly sums up the way that people that are kind of like the actors or the glossy parts of any kind of business model think that their voice is so much more important than everyone else. Yes. And actually like all of the other people working on that set aren't just like cogs in the machine. They are the people that actually make the Mission Impossible film happen. Obviously, he lends his face and his name yeah. and his fame to it. But like the fact that he's speaking to them just so vitriolically and obviously so Scientology-ish as well. Like you can just tell that like that's been drummed into him in order of like the, like what is it called? The audio sessions, you know? Like um, that, that particular um, processing, tone of voice. Auditing, auditing. Auditing thing. Yeah. But it's just the arrogance with which he speaks to people like they're these fucking idiots and he's just but like imparting he's... knowledge onto them as if they don't fucking know. Like I've been on I've been on a film set since the COVID restrictions were happening and it's really hard to keep like everybody in check, mm. everybody with their masks mm. on all the time. But ultimately, it's a huge adjustment that everyone's making and everyone's trying their best. I just think it's so fucking arrogant yeah. of him to think that he can talk to people it's in that way. It's really interesting the moralizing around covid because i really don't know where i stand it's, it's new it's, how, how are we supposed to the problem is, so new. the problem is that it's like on the one hand it's the big problem and it's killing loads of people and it's tearing lives apart and the sooner this is over the better for everyone and a lot of people are struggling more than others and stuff like that so it is important but it feels like i don't know how i would feel if you know, maybe once if I'd forgotten my mask and I'd gone on the tube and then someone started shouting at me for like one time, you know, they in that moment technically have quite a big power thing over me. But is that right that you can chastise someone when you don't even know anything about them or anything like that? No, I don't think that's right at all. And like, yes, right it is because it's a really hard one to frame because it's like in general, we should all be following these things. But mm -hmm. any minor slip ups. Mm -hmm. 
no one person is more important or has more responsibility than anyone else. Yeah. And it's a constant evolving thing and yeah. everybody is like making mistakes and slip ups, but also at the same time trying, hopefully. And so, it is funny, sorry. No, no, that's what I was going to say. It is funny hearing him speak so impassionedly about saving an entire industry mm-hmm. on the set of Miss Impossible. <laughs> There's just something funny about Tom Cruise just like standing on a pulpit saying like, we are here to save the world. We are the last foundation of the fight against COVID. I've been with- on the phone with producers every night, every studio. Uh, what I love is the idea that that short, people, somebody recorded that on one day, but I think he probably has a rant like that every single every day. Single day yeah. And the crew are just going like, oh, Tom's yeah, doing his Tom's shouting doing match. His just let him go. Every single night. Just let him go. Every single night. <laughs> I called the boss of Warner Brothers. It's the boss. It's mad. You- it was Warner Brothers. <laughs> I was, it was like, I was speaking to the boss. Okay. He, <laughs> no, called, no. he, named, he called me Tom. Okay. <laughs> I like to imagine that um, it's actually just a toy phone you know with the big boggly eyes <laughs> <laughs> that the producer has given him and they're like and they're like yes Tom, Tom I've, got some more, the phone. I've got some more ideas okay <laughs> what about Mr. Impossible 8 <laughs> <laughs> and I fly a big plane yeah, yeah. and then I, not only do I land on the plane I am the plane and it's not no but it's like it's like a Russian plane it's set in in, in the near future five years in the future it's not wings it's flying like flapping like a bird yes Tom very good and then he goes in to the studio is like I was on the phone all night with the boss of Hollywood and it's not even like a studio head it's like he thinks he's he's Mr. Hollywood he thinks he's the guy who like uh, runs the whole of Hollywood yeah I think it's fascinating viral videos like that have been very important during this time and Mm. vines Mm. oh my god my love of vines just surpasses anything I feel for you we should do an episode um, where you like introduce your favourite vines I think I will have to it's like you can do it we can do it here where you kind of have like a like a dress on like you look look, look like um, Rachel Rachel Riley on Countdown Mm -hmm. you know that kind of beautiful assistant type thing and then you will just introduce like a top ten of vines that mean the most to you mm-hmm. I've just thought of another thing that you do that annoys me actually go on, go you fucking hell yeah go on <laughs> you go on. always reference beautiful women you always say it so sincerely you'll mm. be like oh Jennifer Lawrence oh god amazing actress and so young so young to have achieved what she's achieved mm-hmm. Florence Pugh god she is an incredible she's beautiful as well isn't she you know Rachel Riley, beautiful it's like you don't fucking say that to me you're just you're just trying to make me jealous. No, I'm not actually. I'm actually. I know that you get really insecure about those type of things, and I don't like that you get insecure about those type of things. So I'm going to keep on doing it. Until you're you testing my yourself. boundaries. I'm going to keep get over yourself because I should be allowed to talk about how attractive other people are That's in so a civilized tough. thing. Think about how much you talk about attractive men. I never talk about. Yes, attractive you do. Men. No, I don't. Yes, you do. I literally all said Sasha Bowen's. She said Sasha Bowen's home was sexy once. You, we talk about it all the time because I don't care. You don't notice you're doing it. I've never talked about attractive men ever. You talk about how attractive my friends are. I know, but I just you think say they're are gorgeous. Yeah, which is completely fine. <laughs> but imagine you introduce me to one of your friends, and I'm like, she was gorgeous. Are you, it's Can different. you imagine? It's different though. It's okay, different. Go on, it's different. Go on. Go on. It's different right, because it's like it's me saying it like but an affectionate. But do it as a '90s comedy bit about the difference between men and women. Okay, because the fact is, <laughs> men aren't complimented in the same way that women are. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, men very rarely okay. get told that they're beautiful. They very very rarely get like a kind of sincere thing. Instead, it's all this kind of like jovial, jo- jockish kind of thing. Mm. I like to think 
that it is nice for men to occasionally get told something sort of sincere and with a bit of a feminine touch, like, oh, you're beautiful type of thing, you know? Oh, what a lovely little outfit that you put together. It's different for a man to say about a woman Mm -hmm. because we view women in the sort of objective sense anyway. And when a man compliments a woman's looks, it tends to be more kind of about the attractiveness thing. Whereas me complimenting your friends for being attractive, that's me trying to like, you know, give them like, a little boost in a way that maybe they wouldn't have had because of like, you know, toxic masculinity. So would whatever. you say the same way, if, if for example, even though I haven't, I, I only talk about celebrities being attractive, but if let's say I said, you're like, you just me a friend and I was like, she's gorgeous. And you felt jealous. The only real parallel example is if I introduced you to one of my friends, you're like, he has incredible taste in film. Yeah. Oh is that, because <laughs> I, I guess you saying he's gorgeous, like I like, complimenting men and we talk a lot about attractive men what makes men attractive oh yeah yeah and uh, also if I were to say how funny he is or how well he dresses or something like that yeah still, Me saying he's gorgeous I'm still is just, just not a little bitch this. about it you know I guess that's still the thing is it's like I, I find it annoying though that you categorise me having very normal feelings of jealousy mm-hmm. and anxiety and neuroses about whatever mm. you think of those as personal weaknesses when actually yeah. they are pretty fucking normal things to have just because you don't express them yeah it doesn't mean that they're invalid. Do I'm not saying mean? they're invalid. I'm just saying let's stamp them out. When I get like anxious let's about... Let's get rid of them now. When I get like... When I ask questions about like your previous relationships or like, you know, uh, dates that you've been in with other girls or whatever and you literally ask me nothing about my previous romantic experiences. It doesn't even feel bad, you know? It makes me feel like there's a sort of power imbalance there. But at the same time, I respect the fact that you don't need that information. Yeah. I just hope that you don't judge me for needing that information. But, then, but what's weird is if I talk about pr- prior romantic encounters, it infuriates Oh, yeah, you. yeah, no, you can't yeah, do yeah. it. Oh, and no, no, you're you not allowed to say a fucking thing. When you talk about them, I don't care. I know, like, I enjoy it, it's fine. that you don't care. Yeah. I want you to fucking care. Yeah, so that it, that seems to be the, the real, the real um, clash. Uh, all right, do you have anything that you want to you wanna plug, my um, dear? Sure. Uh, okay. Well, me and my sister have a podcast called We Can't Talk About That Right Now, That's which is um, produced by Horatia Gould. Yeah. And um, it is on YouTube and Spotify and Apple. And, you know, I hate it when people say this, but wherever you, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not that. wherever you get your podcasts because I'm the one who puts the places. It's, it's only true. in Spotify and Apple podcasts. And also, <laughs> I, I can't, I probably should put it other places. Everyone says that and they're telling the truth, but. It's actually my deficiency as producer that it isn't wherever you get your podcast. Sure, okay. it's in two places. Mm-hmm. It's in three places. That's it. So you can you can. <laughs> sorry, you can, sorry. Uh, it was your promo. Sorry. You can watch that. Um, <laughs> um, and yes, uh, you should. You know, if you've not watched. Horatio's- sorry. Also, it's like Spotify, right. Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. The reason I only put it there is because like. If you're listening on Google Podcasts, grow up. Yeah, like exactly. I, I know I can set it up so it's on across all platforms, but I've made sure it's only on three. And I reluctantly did Apple Podcasts. I reluctantly it was on Boys Gone Wild was only on Spotify, uh, and then finally I put it on Apple Podcasts. But it was reluctant because I'm like, why don't you just get it from the the best place to get it, which is Spotify? Apple Podcasts, their app is atrocious, mm-hmm. and they're still much better than fucking Google Podcasts, like Castbox. Mm. Wherever you get your podcast, no. Can we all grow up and and like? Uh, normally, I'm like support the little guy, but I want to focus it on. I want a complete monopoly where it's all in one place. Mm-hmm. Spotify is very user friendly, so and yeah, I guess uh, what we kind of wanted to talk about was uh, sort of the the happy mundaneness of 
being in a relationship and stuff and how that's kind of helped us through 2020. But we both find that so cringeworthy to talk we, about. We, we, that... I'm going to put the other episode on Patreon. Yeah, so, so if we, you want we, to... We, 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 I, I'm on a Patreon episode of Boys Gone Wild. Uh, so you should you subscribe to Harish's Patreon. Yeah, I've got a full episode on Patreon that I think is really good. Um, and I hope this wasn't too painful. <laughs> no, it was, it was all right. Uh, the, the leg touching is still a problem. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, once again, I'm going to give a shout out to Simon KG, who's just uh, got on the £25 a month Patreon which is, there's Boys Gone Mild, which is £3 a month, Boys Gone Riled, which is £5 a month, Boys Gone Wild, which is £10 a month. And then I threw in one just for those, I was like, maybe there'll be one absolute hero, a £25 a month, Boys Gone Absolutely Bloody Mental. So I'd be remiss not to mention how um, happy I am by Simon KG for being such a hero. We love you, Simon KG. Uh, Thanks a lot, guys. I'll see you next week. Bye.